It's scary to be doing two things at once, even though people are asking, unless they support each other pretty strongly, only because you're still so early. At first, when you mentioned that, I went, oh, good for you. You're pivoting away from one and going to the other as you realize what people really want. But I think even that misses the boat of what the potential here is for, uh, yeah, for creating yeah, something, which could be big. Hey, everyone, I'm Mark Randolph, and welcome to That Will Never Work. I've been an entrepreneur for a long time. Netflix, which I co-founded, it was actually my fifth startup. And since leaving there, I've had the opportunity to work with scores of early stage companies and talk to thousands of aspiring entrepreneurs from all over the world. On this podcast, I speak with folks who are at every stage of building their own businesses, whether they're leaping from side hustle to self-employed or are already generating revenue and ready to take things to the next level. My goal is to draw out their biggest challenges and then try to nudge them a little further down the path toward realizing their dreams. If you've been told that will never work as much as I have, you've come to the right place. Together, we'll prove the naysayers wrong. On today's show, we hear from Tim, the co-founder and sole developer of Clicker, an app that lets the customers control the TV in a crowded bar. This is truly one of those necessity is the mother of invention situations. Tim and his fellow sports-obsessed co-founder simply grew tired of not being able to watch their favorite teams play when they're having a drink. And while his main question centers around customer awareness, he and I engage in a fun, live brainstorming session that reveals he may be overlooking the most advantageous and profitable aspect of this cool idea. Let's listen in. So, Tim, thanks for joining me today. You're going to learn more about this interesting idea that I heard, at least via email. So why don't you start us off by kind of telling us what you're up to and then maybe what it is you would like to talk about? Yeah, appreciate you having me on. So, yeah, my co-founder, Connor, and I, we've been working on this for about a year and a half now. Uh, We've been friends for 10 years. Kind of just over the years, we've been going to bars and restaurants, and we've always just had trouble getting our games on TVs. So... Connor is from Florida, um, went to Florida State, and he's always kind of lived out of market. So he struggled with getting his games on. And I like to uh, traditionally place a bet or two on the weekends here and there. So kind of watching random sports games. So just to be clear, when you say getting your games on Mm -hmm. means the experience of being in a bar with the TV or even a sports bar with the 17 TVs, right. and they are always showing Canadian curling <laughs> or woman's darts. And you go, come on, don't you know that um, my team is playing? That's the yeah, problem yeah, you're pretty wrestling much. with, right? Okay. Yeah. Traditionally, it's not that bad, but we've definitely seen issues where the local games are over and then they're showing the weather channel and nobody wants to watch that at, at 11 p.m. on a Friday. So we kind of realized that the experience there is not really built around the customer. They're kind of just TVs that these places are paying tons of money to DirecTV and AT&T and all these places and they're not really getting all they can get out of it. So we kind of just thought, hey, there's got to be a better way to do this. It's 2019 at the time. There's got to be a better way to do this. People are actually going to bars back in 2019. Yeah, way back then when that was going on. Started hacking around with kind of how to communicate with DirecTV boxes, figured that out. And then we created an app that um, allows guests to change channels. So if you're familiar with TouchTunes at all, it's like a digital jukebox inside of bars and restaurants that you can change the music on. So... We kind of went from off of that a little bit and allowed you to create reservations so that you can basically uh, 
reserve a TV for 30 minute increments or hour increments or whatever, so that you can watch what you want to watch, change the channel to what you want to see. And so that there's not back and forth with other customers throughout. I have a bunch of questions about this. So I need to understand a bit better how it works. And I don't mean technically. I mean, I assume that I can't just go into any bar and put any show on. There must be some kind of democratic method, but that's not going to help if I'm in a bar in California and I want to watch a team from Florida. Right. Yeah. So we've definitely tried to figure that out. We get that pushback quite a bit. And I think there's a few different ways we can go. There's a lot of TVs that are kind of in the corner or in less populous areas in the bar that we can just throw those on. So this isn't something that has to be on every TV and not to confuse things, but we also have a second product that came from a bunch of feedback that allows us to automate channel changes throughout the day. So we kind of just plan to put the Florida State game on in the Tallahassee area or the Ravens game on in the Baltimore area and make sure kind of those big games are always on most of the TVs. And then we can kind of use this app in other areas for the guests to change those. So for the first product, just give me a quick walkthrough of if I have this on my phone, how does it work in practice? You open up the app. It'll show all the locations near you that have Clicker installed. You click on the location, you get a guide of all the channels that are sorted by kind of relevancy and mostly sports. I mean, you click on those and that TVs that are enabled will have a label on the TV, a one, two, three, four. And then you click on that and then it just zaps the channel from there. But is it first come, first serve? I can't zap the channel if two minutes left in the fourth quarter on someone else's game, can I? The way we combat that is for having a reservation system. So you reserve it for... 30-minute increments, more hour increments. We're still kind of figuring that part out. And then you spend money and tokens inside of the system the longer you want to extend that reservation. And then people cannot change the channel on top of your reservation, basically. Ah, and I'm sorry, and people pay for the reservation? Yeah. Ah, okay. So there's an auction methodology here. If you really want to watch the Women's Dart Championship and you're willing to pay up all well, and, and you split the revenue with the bar? Yep. So you described it, at one point as a future tense, but also as a present tense. So give me a sense of where you are. Are you actually installed in bars? Are you running now? Are people using this? Yeah. So we're live at a few locations here in Cincinnati, three of them here, and then uh, a sports book out in Colorado. And been getting decent usage, especially at one place here, Buffalo Wings and Rings in Cincinnati. They just opened up a new location and they have TVs at the booths, um, which has been a really good experience because we can kind of put some marketing materials inside of the booth. People are kind of just sitting there looking at the TV. And so we think that's kind of a good spot to continue down the path of having this technology at booths that have dedicated TVs. So I've got lots more questions, but before we even go into that, is there anything in particular you would like to talk about today? That might guide my questions. So Sure. A ton of questions for you as well. We get a bunch of objections from bar and restaurant owners. And I think the main part of it is just the status quo of the manager manages the TVs. Um, when you ask to change the channel, they usually go off to the manager for some reason. And they have 10 other things they're doing. So you never really know when they're going to come over and change the channel. Then you got to figure out which channel it is and which TV and all that. So it's kind of just battling the status quo of this is how it's currently done and that they think that's working. And it does work in some capacity, but we just think our way, we can kind of give that customer a better experience and in turn, get revenue back to the bars and restaurants for 
having more loyal customers and customers that can come back because they know they can have a reliable experience watching their sports. Is there a question buried in there? Yeah, I guess just how do we overcome the status quo of kind of how it's done now is working fine for us. So you are currently running in three to four different bars and how is it doing? So like I said, the one's doing really well. We probably have 20 channel changes a day and on the weekends, probably 50 to 75, which we think is pretty good. That's kind of the one we've invested the most in as far as marketing materials and whatnot. The other few have been doing all right. We get a few channel changes. We just haven't really invested much in the customer experience and the marketing materials to actually show them how they could change the channel at those places. I love this idea, but wow, just seems like anarchy rather than uh, solving the problem. And listen, just for context, at one point way back in my illustrious career, I actually did manage a bar that actually did have TVs in it. And I can tell you firsthand exactly why the rule is no one touches the damn TV except for the manager. And it's because I found out conclusively that there's two big sources for fights in bars. First place for fights in bars is equal parts pool tables, liquor, and women leads to a fight. Number two, though, is someone goes up and changes the channel. So I clearly get it while the rule is manager always touches it. So I think the objection you're overcoming is not the manager wants to do this or that somehow the manager has the magic programming touch, that he's really reviewed the demographic profile and knows that, no, from four to seven, we're going for the younger demographic, which is why I'm going to put on X Games. He's basically going, someone has to make the decision. If it's not me, there's going to be a fight. So I think the thing that you're really trying to address in the bars is something else, which is positioning this not as overcoming some objective because you'll never get there. It's really saying, what is the benefit to the bar of putting your system in? As opposed to solving a problem, which is the total backward from the advice I usually get. I go focus on solving the problem. But the problem is everyone fights over it, that people are always unhappy. So the question is, what does this do that really helps the bar other than that? A couple of them could be things like programming, which is that your system is higher on customer sat, if in fact it is, although I'm sometimes scared. That's one of the things that I'm laughing about. Is it really? The other one is revenue, which is taking your television and turning it from a expense into a revenue center. But some of that has to come from being validated, which is having the data that says that the alcohol purchases go up when people have control over the television or something like that, or that the revenue generated by the TV can be substantial. And just as I was thinking, have you experimented with crowd voting or is it always one person vote? We thought of the crowd. A lot of people have brought that up, especially on NFL Sundays when the four o'clock games come on and there's the main TV. Like, why not allow everyone to vote on that and see what comes on the big TV? I think that could definitely be a cool idea. Well, especially if they're voting with money. Yep. And that basically it would have to be pretty dramatic. You can't basically say whatever group has a higher bid gets it. Because again, there is this weird dynamic about once a game starts, actually I'll ask that, once a game starts, do you have to let it finish? No. No. At, at the end of the 30 minutes, someone else can outbid you or has a reservation to take over the TV. Yep. Oh my God, this seems like anarchy. <laughs> I trust you that people love it and that it actually works. Yeah, I mean, it's, wow. it's not just 
30 minute increments, you can do it for three hours at a time and continue to extend it. But we just didn't want them all to be three hours because then you have TVs locked up that people might have already left. So I do love this idea because I think it is such a primitive system. And every single person who sat in a bar knows that frustration of wanting to watch something. Or even worse, you have the same game on six of the TVs and you go, I just want one. Yep. Yep. But again, I think this is presenting it to the bars in a very proactive way, which is number one, it avoids conflict. It's there's a clear system for allocating what people watch. Number two, it generates revenue in terms of you now take these TVs which aren't making you any money and are making you money. And number three, it drives alcohol consumption. If in fact that is the case, that one is the compelling message. In other words, it's the classic thing about you want to sell uh, aspirin, not vitamins here. But this case, it's even more than that. You want to sell something else, which is help them make more money. That is a no-brainer, especially if you can do a before and after model with them, you know, and say, listen, listen let me come in and run your bar for a, a month and you'll see what we can do to drive this. In other words, as opposed to just easing a problem for the consumer, solve the problem for the bar. And the problem yeah. for the bar is always, how do I make more money? And if you can say, I can bring people into the bar because they know their game is going to be on. Huge win. If I can say, even the, your regulars will stay longer because their game is on, they win. If you demonstrate meaningful revenue from the app, they win. Probably in that descending order. And the solving the customer sad issue in the bar nice to have, but not a need to have. So yeah. that is how I'd overcome the objections is A, let's try this and let's see if we can figure out ways to collectively make you more money by bringing people in to watch their game because they know that if they go, it will be on. There could be a bunch of interesting ways to do that, including playing the vote method, but doing it in advance, doing it a uh, day in advance. Again, it's all these creative models that you now have the technology built to experiment with it. But now I think the thing you have to experiment with is a social model. How do you use this to drive bar activity? Because that, I believe, would make a huge difference. Yeah. And I think there's a discovery piece down the road too, where you could actually see what's going to be on it bar XYZ and see that there's other Ravens fans that are going to that bar and you would actually go there because of the app and seeing that it's definitely going to be, be on TV there. But especially since that becomes the way to avoid the tyranny of the majority. For example, in a community which has eight or nine bars with TVs, I want to watch Man U and that's always going to lose out in a popular vote to uh, people who want to watch NFL. But I know there's probably enough people if I took the crowd from seven different bars who all wanted to watch that to send them all to one bar to do it. And that bar would be delighted because you're bringing in all these people. It's all kinds of dynamics here, but I think fundamentally, now that you have the technology piece ironed out is begin to think about how can I use this to drive volume in the bar? Because that will be the magic key to every bar wanting this. The ones who want to solve the problem of the manager, awesome, but weak. And the other one, which is the automatic channel changer, even weaker. You're solving a bar problem. It's an expense line. And they're looking at it and going, why am I paying this? Or why am I doing this? And they're going, well, yeah, it avoids a little bit of problem. You're always fighting them wanting to cut that, minimize it. But if you're bringing in $1,000 over a weekend and you take 250 of it, they'll do that every day through Sunday. 
Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, it's just always trying to steer yourself to where the money is. I mean, I, just yesterday I was working with a company who is in the error prevention business. It's a they do customer service type tool. And you're going, that's always an area no one wants to invest in. And we're trying to switch it because the exact same technology can be used to improve sales. And wow, that gets people's attention. The sales guys go on their club to Cancun, whereas the customer service guys go down to the bowling alley. And that says a whole ton about how you want to position your product when you have the choice. And I think you might have the choice. Yeah, I think we're nimble enough and we're smart enough. We know we have a cool technology. We might not have applied it in the best way yet, but we've kind of just been building out the table stakes of figuring out how do we actually change the channel. We've kind of checked that off and built the app and maybe that wasn't the best use of the technology, but I think there's definitely something in there. You need the app. No, I think the app is a key thing. The secret sauce here is that you're giving control to people about where they want to watch and what they want to watch. I'm just suggesting that you reposition your corporate purpose from we want to solve the problem that bars have, change it to we've built a product which increases your bar's revenue by connecting people with the content they want at the time they want to watch it or something. Again, as you gain experience, once you have that as your purpose, you'll find all kinds of different ways to use the app to do that, including, this is going to sound crazy, but you go, let's look at the stats we have tied into your um, register system. And it's amazing, isn't it, that when you show rugby, you make a lot more money than when you show darts. And you didn't know that. You suspected that. We're able to demonstrate that. And we're able to now make people, we weight that more aggressively in the voting system. I don't know. I'm often uh, the speculative funville, which I always tell entrepreneurs not to do. There's a bunch of data that you get to with just what's on TV and what people are spending money on that's super interesting too. Yeah, I think it's kind of cool. I mean, I know everyone's kind of bugging you about the voting one, but voting with money is a really interesting idea because it turns it into a game. Mm -hmm. It turns watching the game into a game, which is, can yeah. I recruit enough people to outvote? And it ticks down because you know that this game is going to end at four o'clock and there's two choices of what you shift to at 4.01. And as it's ticking along, you're showing the leaderboard. I mean, there's all kinds of gamification of it's drinking games meets sports television. Yeah. It's also bringing the living room experience of being able to control a TV into your bar's ambiance and environment of good wings and any beer you want and all that stuff too. Yeah. I, lo I love that. That's really cool. Let me ask you, just put yourself in a customer's shoes. What's the Nirvana experience of you walking into a bar in New York or whatever, wanting to get the Man U game on, what's that experience look like at a clicker bar? I'm the technical guy, so I think pretty deep into what the actual experience and the operations and the marketing. How are you going to walk into a bar and learn about clicker in five seconds other than posting something on the TV? Is there any neat ways you can kind of get our point across? Those are two different dynamics. Because one is the dynamic of customer acquisition, which is you say, how do I know there's this thing called clicker? We could brainstorm a bunch of interesting ways to do that. The other one is how does the experience work to make this an app that people always want to use? And again, if you accept my premise that we want to use this as a revenue generator for bars, how do you make that a reality? And the reality would be if I do want to watch soccer, I have the clicker app, which tells me two things. One is that this bar is already 
planned to show this, that customers have already voted to show this, that it's on, going to be on, that's in the queue. And then I know where to go. And that's an easy one. The other one is to go, these bars near you have this program. And in fact, there are TVs that are still up for, I want to watch this. Here's two bars. Each one of them has a TV, which is still bidding. And the bidding closes here. Would you like to lock it in? Or would you like to add your dollars to the vote, which you only get take if it wins? Some mechanism Guys, see, I love this kind of stuff, but it could be a version of buy it now, which is you can bid or if you want for $20, you can lock it in. Yeah. And there could even be a surge pricing tactic on Saturday afternoons during college football when there's absolutely 30 different games on. But the cool thing is you can say the bidding system can be if you're saying I'm not going to do the buy it now, I'm going to do the bid. The bid can be joint, but you can have multiple people bidding because it really should be maximizing the revenue for the bar rather than as harsh as this is maximizing the revenue for the um, individual, maximizing the experience for the one person who wants to watch the fringe sport because they're traveling to a different state. It should only be that should only work. It could work because, again, they, you can combine a bunch of people who are each minorities in their own bar, but if they join forces, they can own a TV and the other one. That becomes the Man U bar every time uh, the league is on. But anyway, the point here is, because you can drag me into playing the detailed tactics game, which I fall for every time, that the conceptual piece here is it's much, much easier to design your product if you set up the right target for it. And my suggestion is that rather than saying you're solving the problem for the person who's traveling in a different city and wants to watch the minority sport, I think if you position that product to solve a problem for the bar, which is how do I make more money, you've got a real winner. You might have a winner the other way too. It just might be a little bit more resistance each time, especially going in and talking to the manager about why he wants to install this in his televisions. Yeah. And I like that because like you said, that use case of me being out of town, like that, that's still a valid use case that works in the bidding scenario. It does. And isn't it, how badly do you want it? And like you said, a lot of the times you'll go into a bar and there's no one there. It's just easier. Or there's a handful of people there and they're watching something by default. I can tell you tons of times it's so frustrating when that's happening and you just can't get someone to change it. It's just crazy. So I love the idea. And I think it doesn't take a lot of repositioning. And then once you've accepted that, since you are on the technical side of it, it focuses your product decisions about what you build first, what you focus on, what's nice to have, what's need to have, what goes in the list for future revisions. And it also, this secondary product, we didn't get into it. I didn't beat you up sufficiently about it, but it's scary to be doing two things at once, even though people are asking, unless they support each other pretty strongly, only because you're still so early. At first, when you mentioned that, I went, oh, good for you. You're pivoting away from one and going to the other as you realize what people really want. But I think even that misses the boat of what the potential here is for, uh, yeah, for creating yeah, I, something. I feel you which could be big. It's good to be focused. Yeah, for sure. Especially in your biz. How many people are actually coding? Am I looking you're, at them? You're talking to the <laughs> entire team. <laughs> I suspect it as much. Even the more reason they want to be focused is that the limited bandwidth you have going into the core set of features that are really going to move the needle is always a better bet than responding to everything your customer asks for. Totally. Because they, their objectives are not the same as yours. Well, listen, this is pretty cool, actually. This is one where I definitely need you to check in with me uh, some point out in the future and let me know what direction it went. Because I will say, I have the 
I'm struggling whether it's talent or bad habit. I have that bad habit of saying things with tremendous confidence that I really don't know very much about. So be careful. Find your way through this by feeling for yourself what's working, what's not working. But definitely let me know uh, where this ends up because I think it's such a promising idea. I want to see what you end up making work. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to chat and digging in and giving me your thoughts. It's been awesome. Yeah. Well, fantastic. Well, I'm glad we managed to call. And listen, even though everyone's going to tell you that'll never work, sometimes it does. So keep plugging away. Thanks, Mark. Good luck to you. Appreciate it. There's a lot of things to like about Tim and his app. And even though I often discourage folks from leading with the app, there's really no other way to execute this concept. So the fact that they have built it and are up and running in a few local places is a great proof of concept. Now, if Clicker can fine tune their sales pitch to appeal to their primary constituents, bar owners and managers, and can consider other ways to gamify the experience, I think they're headed in the right direction. Hopefully, I'll never miss another match when I'm traveling. But I'm curious what you think about Tim's idea and my advice to him. So I'd love for you to join me, Tim, and your other fellow listeners on my website, where we'll be discussing this episode. You'll find us congregated at markrandolph.com forward slash podcasts. Just click on the appropriate episode and scroll to the bottom. you want to discuss your business challenges with me, I would love to hear from you. Just visit me at markrandolph.com or call me at 1-888-MARK-POD. That's 1-888-627-2763. Together, we'll figure out your best next steps. In the meantime, if a 30-minute podcast is too much for you, you can check out my short-form ramblings on Twitter at M.B. Randolph. Or see it all prettied up on Instagram at That Will Never Work. Of course, you can check me out at LinkedIn at, well, shit, you can figure that out yourself. Thanks again for listening. If you like the podcast, don't forget to smash that like button and leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. If you didn't, well, thanks for listening to How I Built This. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. This is the That Will Never Work podcast. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time. Audiation.